Well, good morning, Journey. It is really good to be with you this morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we're super excited to be uh, leading you in this new series that we're about ready to launch um, called The Lost Art of Gratitude. Um, I want to introduce you to an individual that my wife and I got to become acquainted with a few weeks ago at an event, a fundraising event in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, it was for the uh, Invisible Girl Project, a great ministry that we've partnered with in the past. Where they're doing an amazing work in India. Well, we got to be a part of this fundraising event, and they were auctioning off some items, and they had Chiefs tickets, and they had Royals tickets, and trips to North Carolina. They were auctioning off some amazing stuff. But there was an, a beautiful piece of art uh, by an artist named Jeff Hansen. I want to introduce you to him. Jeff Hansen is a unique individual, not because of the amazing art that he produces, but just because of his story. You see, um, Jeff, Jeff is actually blind. He's legally blind. He, his parents say that he s- looks at life as if he's looking through a, a block of Swiss cheese. There's, there's parts of his vision that are really good, and then there's other parts of his vision that are very poor. And so he, they learned this. They, they learned about this while he was very young. And so they tried to connect him with things that could help him uh, be more involved. And one of those areas was art. And, and as he began to practice with art, he began to use specific styles that were really, uh, really unique. He used layers and textures and bright colors. And all of a sudden, at a very young age, he started developing these, this amazing ability to produce these beautiful pictures. And so now he donates his pictures to organization, nonprofit charities, and they go ahead and auction off his Uh, off his paintings and raises thousands of dollars for the organization. He's actually developed his own organization where his his motto is to change world through art. And what's really unique about him is that he has leveraged his physical uh, uh, disability to make a difference in the lives of others. And so this next few weeks, we're going to press in on a new uh, new a series called The Lost Art of Gratitude. And in this series, we're going to try and help us, help you and I develop a, a, a potential to, to leverage our, our art of gratitude, our gratitude, so that we can make a difference in the life of others. Because we believe that gratitude is an art. And if we can properly develop it, we can change people's lives. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, gratitude is an attitude? Have you heard that phrase before? Today, I'm going to argue that gratitude is more than an, artitude, uh, more than an attitude because my attitude ebbs and flows with how I feel on a day-to-day basis. If I could be transparent with you, there's just some days that I don't feel like being Thankful. Is anybody else with me in the room on that? There's just some things, some circumstances, I don't feel like being thankful. A guy cuts you off in traffic. The first response is not, man, I am so thankful for that guy that just cut me off, so I slammed on my brakes and spilled my coffee on my lap. That's not your first response, right? Or, or perhaps uh, someone stole your parking spot coming into church today, right? Maybe your first response was not... Boy, I am so thankful for that person who just stole my spot. So now I have to spend two or three more minutes trying to find another parking spot. Or, or maybe you walk onto an airplane and the only seats left on the plane are the middle seats. 
your first response is not, oh, I'm so thankful I get to sit in the middle seat so I have to find out for the next three hours which armrest I get to use. Right? There's just times in our lives we're just not thankful. Our, our, it's, and it's ebbs and flows on how we feel. And what I've discovered is this, that gratitude is not natural. It, we have to learn how to be gracious. We have to learn how to be grateful. And, and parents know this more than anybody. Because we are constantly reminding our kids, now what do you say? What do you say? You just got a lollipop. What do you say? Right? We have to remind them. This is something that we have to learn. So let me ask you a question. Where are you at in the school of gratitude? Would you define yourself as an individual who's got this figured out and you're educating people? Or is this something that we together can learn um, uh, to uh, learn together to become better at, at gratitude. Because what we've also discovered is this, is gratitude is less of an attitude and it's more of an aptitude. What's an aptitude? An aptitude is the ability to do something or learn something. And so gratitude is less of an attitude and more of an aptitude. So like an artist developing his or her craft, we must develop the, the, the aptitude of gratitude. So that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks, the lost art of gratitude. And as I've pressed into this passage that I want to show you in just a couple minutes in the book of Luke, I feel like scripture has been tapping me on my chest. I don't know if you've ever felt that way when you've read scripture, just tapping you on your chest. I feel like Marty McFly in the movie, in the movie Back to the Future, when, when, when Principal Strickland is tapping Marty on the chest and he's saying, Marty, you have a real attitude problem. You're a slacker. And I feel like this week as I've read this passage over and over again, I feel like Scripture's been tapping me on my chest saying, Brandon, you've got a real gratitude problem. You're a slacker. And so I'm really embracing this new series as well. So let's go ahead and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Uh, a wonderful passage there. And we're going we're gonna to start at verse 11. While you're turning there, just a reminder... All these notes are in the JCI app, so you can download those and utilize those. You can type in the blanks and send it to yourself a little bit later. So make sure you're utilizing the JCI app. It's phenomenal. Um, so the writer of the book of Luke is a man by the name of Luke. It's a gospel. It's an account of Jesus Christ. And, and Luke also wrote the book of Acts. Now, Luke's unique in that he's the only non-Jewish author in all of Scripture. And, and Luke was extremely humble. It, it, Luke was a doctor by profession, but if you read any of his, uh, his work, you won't hear that. He was extremely humble. Um, he never mentions his name in the book, and, and he was an extremely loyal friend to the man named Paul, Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But what is unique about Luke is this, is that he looked at Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, through the lens of humanity. Jesus Christ was, was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. And, and if you read Luke's writings, you'll discover that Luke looked at Jesus as a human being. And so as a doctor, Luke de details many of Jesus' miracles, and today is one of those. So let's go ahead and read it together. Luke chapter, 11, or Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Let's read it. Uh, now, on this way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. 
And then one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, in this brief narrative, I believe we're going to find some principles on how we can develop the powerful virtue of vertical gratitude. And what is vertical gratitude? Vertical gratitude is simply this. It's our expression of gratefulness to Jesus because of all that he's done in our lives. That's vertical gratitude. And, we, I, and I've discovered that vertical gratitude is, is inseparably connected to God's grace. You know, there's a wonderful story of a man who was an English slave trader. And when he was an English slave trader, he would take, obviously, the slaves and bring them back to his country in England. And on one of these journeys, his ship ended up in a very bad storm. And in the midst of this storm, this slave trader called out to God, God, please save me. Please protect me. And God did. God saved him, protected his whole crew. And when he got back to England, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And over a period of time, he became a pastor. And he gave up his slave trading days. And then he would go end up writing a bunch of songs. And one of those songs is a song that we sing today by the man named John Newton. Do you all know the song? It's Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace was written by a former slave trader. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That was a slave trader who wrote that. He understood grace. And here's a key thought for us today. Until I've accepted grace, I cannot give gratitude. Until we've accepted grace, I, we cannot give gratitude. See, grace is such a profound truth in Scripture. We could spend days, we could spend months unpacking the virtue of grace, the truth of grace. But a simple definition can be this way. Grace is receiving something I don't deserve and trusting that there is nothing I can do to earn it. Grace is receiving something I don't deserve and trusting that there is nothing I can do to earn it. You know, as a child growing up, um, my parents would sometimes have dessert for us after dinner. One of the rules, if we were going to get to eat dessert after dinner, was this. You have to eat all of your vegetables. I had to eat all of my vegetables in order to eat my dessert. You know what grace is? Grace is getting to eat the dessert before you have to eat your vegetables. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing, you, you don't deserve it. It's a free gift. Grace is like getting to eat your Oreos before you have to eat your broccoli. Isn't that a, isn't that a profound truth? And, and Luke, in just verses 11 through 13, is going to show us an incredible picture of grace. Let's go ahead and turn there back there just real quick. Verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Why was Jesus going to Jerusalem? Because he was on his way to be sacrificed. His life on this earth was coming to an end and he was on his way back to Jerusalem. And he was going into a village. 
A village does not have a name. We don't know where this village is at. If we went to try and put it on a map, we couldn't see it. We don't know where it's at. And he visits, visits 10 men who don't have a name. Their names are not listed in this passage. And these 10 men have a unique characteristic about them. They all have the hopeless disease of leprosy. They were nobodies from nowhere with no hope. And there's a spiritual truth there. Receiving grace is understanding that I'm a part of a group of nobodies from nowhere with no hope. You see, in biblical times, if you, uh, if you got leprosy, you, were on, you received basically a death sentence. You were cast out of the community. You were thrown outside the city walls live, to live out the rest of your life. And basically, you had no hope. It was an extremely debilitating disease. It caused disfigurement of the skin and the bones. And ultimately, um, a far advanced stages of leprosy, you would lose fingers and you would lose noses and ears. You lost body parts. You were in a hopeless situation. And, and if you were a leper, you had to make other people aware of your presence because you were extremely contagious. And so what would they do whenever they were walking around? They would shout, unclean, unclean. These lepers in our story today were from a border town, stuck in a border town between two worlds, the living and the dead. They were nobodies from nowhere with no hope. Can I ask you a question today? Have you ever felt like a nobody from nowhere with no hope? Have you ever felt that way? And maybe even more, if I could just touch on this a little bit more, what label... What label did you walk into the room today wearing today? What, what have people labeled you? Or more importantly, what have you labeled yourself? Did you walk in the room today with the label divorced? Divorced or alcoholic, alcoholic or addict, addict or greedy, greedy. What label are you wearing today? Here's the good news. The good news about grace is you are in a perfect position to receive grace. And receiving grace is understanding that Jesus came to us. Jesus came to us. He came to the village with no name. He, he, he broke through all the barriers that existed between the clean and the unclean. You see, Jesus entering this small village and having this encounter with these 10 lepers is a perfect snapshot of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus broke through the boundaries of heaven and he came to earth he created to have a relationship with individuals, with people he created, and ultimately give up his life for a people he created. Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7 give a perfect picture of this. In verse 6 of Philippians, this is Paul writing, one of Luke's best friends. He says, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, verses 11 and four, through 14 are a beautiful picture of grace. And verses 15, and 19, 15 through 19 are a perfect picture of gratitude. Luke shows us what sincere, heartfelt gratitude looks like through one of the most unlikely characters in the story. Let's take a look at it real quick. Verse 15, and one of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God with a loud voice. And what did he do? He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. There's a key thought there. Gratitude is our first and enduring response to the grace of God. Gratitude should be our first and enduring response to the grace of God. You see, unlike the other nine lepers, the Samaritan leper's first response to being healed was to show his gratitude to Jesus. He does, he does three specific things in this, in this short narrative. I want to point them out to you. Number one, he paused. He paused. While others were off to see the priest, while the others were off to see the priest, the Samaritan turned around and came back. And we can't blame those other nine, nine lepers because it was ultimately the priest that would say to those individuals, you are now clean, you can enter back into society. And so I don't blame them. They were in a hurry. They wanted to get back and get put back in the right place. But no, there was a Samaritan. He paused. And before all of that, he came back to Jesus to tell him how much he was thankful. You know what? I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. I love getting up in the morning and getting a cup of coffee and going planting in front of a TV and watching the Macy's Day Parade. Anybody else enjoy the Macy's Day Parade? Yes, thank you, One, two or three. I love it. I'm just weird that way. One of the reasons I believe we have a gratitude problem is because of culture, because in culture today is because we are in a hurry. And what Thanksgiving does for us is it gives us permission to pause. We could take a break from our busy lives and it gives us an opportunity to pause out of the, the hecticness that we live in today. The Samaritan paused. The second thing he did is he praised. He verbalized his gratitude to God for healing that he received. The third thing he did is he proved. He proved his gratitude. How did he do it? He demonstrated his gratitude with actions. It wasn't only words. He showed it. What did he do? He threw himself at Jesus' feet, showing tremendous humility, showing tremendous unworthiness. It was almost as if the leper couldn't get any lower to the ground to show how much he was, in, uh, was thankful for Jesus. You know, this is why I've enjoyed this morning and the worship that we've experienced today. This is why I love JCI on the weekends because it gives us an opportunity to pause to praise, and to prove our gratitude for Jesus by humbling ourselves and approaching Him with tremendous reverence. Was that your heart when you walked in the room this morning? Was that your heart to give yourself an opportunity to pause and praise and prove your gratitude to Jesus? It needs to become a priority in our lives. Gratitude is inseparable from grace. Gratitude should be our first response to God's grace. That's vertical gratitude. So how can we put some handholds on this? How can we better become better at showing greater gratitude? I think there are three specific ways. I want to share those with you real quick. First one is this. We need to be grateful for the small things in life. Be grateful for the small things in life. Don't overlook the simple things. I challenged myself, and I'm going to extend the challenge to you. Make a list um, make a list of all the simple things in life that we can be grateful for that are often overlooked. Set a goal. 
Set a goal of having a hundred, writing down a hundred things that you can be grateful for. You know, I asked a few individuals this week, what are some simple things that you are grateful for that are often overlooked? Some mentioned cars and clean water and friends, good health. One individual wrote in good hair days. We're thankful for good hair days. I'm just thankful for the hair I have left. Um, deodorant, french fries. One person wrote in exhaust fans in the bathroom. I thought that was interesting. She responded. I said, why? She responded, because it saved my marriage. It saved my marriage. I'm thankful for coffee. Thankful for coffee makers. Anything to do with coffee, I'm thankful for. What are the little things in life that are often overlooked that we are missing? Start there. Start there. I love what Psalm 103 verse 2 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and watch, and forget none of his benefits. Forget none of his blessings in your life. So start small. Make a list. Number two, I think we can go deeper in our gratitude. We can go deeper in our gratitude. On your notes, write down these three words. You ready? Write down what, and then underneath that, write down who, and then underneath that, write down why. This is the template for going deeper in our gratitude. Don't just be thankful for the what. I think oftentimes in our lives, we're just thankful for the what. Thank you for doing my laundry. Thank you for mowing the lawn. Thank you for serving me lunch today. That's thankful for the actions. We can go deeper. We can be thankful for the person who did those actions for us. You can have a mindset like this. He did that for me because he cared about me. Uh, she did that for me because she loves me. Thank you for loving me. We can go deeper in our gratitude. So my challenge to you is make a list, then make a connection. Make a connection. Schedule an intentional gratitude visit. Is there an individual in your life who's made a significant impact? Perhaps this week you ought to write them a note or send them a text message or maybe schedule a visit with them. Go have coffee with them just to tell them how much you appreciate them. You know, I love how God works in your heart sometimes. And, and as I was making this, drafting this message this week, I received a note out of the blue from one of my former students that I taught years ago. Her name is Rachel. She sent me a Facebook message that said this. Hi, Coach Brandon. That's what they used to call me, Coach Brandon, and when I was in children's ministry. She says, I stumbled upon the Psalms journey that you gave me for graduating my senior year of high school. I reread it what you wrote in the journal, and it reminded me of the blessing it was to serve in children's ministry underneath your leadership. And then she writes this, I learned so much from both of you. Thank you both for seeing potential in me and for encouraging my gifting with children. I can't tell you how, much that, how, how, how good that made me feel. And you can have the same response in someone else's life. Just think about if you received a message like that. And you can put that in somebody else's life as well. Lastly, I think the true sign of a highly developed aptitude of gratitude is being thankful in all circumstances. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So what about those difficult times in life? What about those tough times? What can we do? How can we be better at gratitude? I think we need to thank outside of the box. Not think outside of the box. Thank outside of the box. See, gratitude is a, 
It's a mindset. You, you have to learn to be thankful in all circumstances. And in order to do that, we have to change our perspective in the circumstances that we're in. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So how do we, how do we be thankful in all circumstances? We have to reshape our thinking. We have to reshape our thinking, and that's my challenge to you. You know, uh, my son is 16 years old, and he will not keep his room clean to save his life. I've punished him. I've I've uh, challenged him. I've given him I've given him uh, you know perks if he does it, and he still won't do it. And sometimes I just want to you know uh, just wring his neck, you know. And those are difficult times to be thankful for. But reshaping your thinking is this. I'm thankful for my son that still lives under my roof because someday he's going to be off at college and he won't be there any longer. God, thank you for my son. Maybe your circumstances are a little bit more um, difficult. Maybe you've recently lost your job. Maybe a way to reshape your thinking is this. God, I'm thankful for the new challenge in my life where I need to become more dependent on you. It's reshaping our thinking. Make a list. Make a connection. Reshape your thinking. And I think if we continue to do those three things, we'll begin to develop an incredible aptitude for gratitude and develop this incredible vertical gratitude. Guys, I want to wrap back to Jeff Hansen real quick. Jeff Hansen um, has done amazing things with his art, but if you pressed in on a story a little bit more, by the age of 21, he set a goal to raise a million dollars. Can you think of that? Like by the age of 21, I haven't done anything of that significance. But by 21, he had a goal. He did it by the age of 20. By the age of 23, just a few months ago, he had raised $2 million for local charities and organizations. How did he do that? Because he leveraged his skill, his ability to bless other people's lives. Friends, if we do that with gratitude, there's no telling what we will be able to accomplish. Back to our narrative real quick as I come to the end zone. Verse 17, Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, all ten lepers were physically healed. But only the Samaritan understood the grace that he had received. And he returned it back with gratitude in his heart. If I could talk to you Christians in the room today, us as Christians in the room today, there should be no one more grateful than you and I. Why? Because we know the incredible sacrifice that Jesus has, has, that Jesus has um, completed on our behalf that he has done on our behalf. And if you're, a, if you're not a Christian in this room today, let me just say this. Thank you for being here. I know it took tremendous courage probably to walk into this room today. And I just want to say this to you. We're not any better than you. We've just come to a place in our lives where we understand we're a group of nobodies from nowhere with no hope. And we need Jesus. And spiritually speaking, we are that Samaritan leper. We are the foreigner. We're the nobodies from nowhere with no hope. But then Jesus 
stepped down from heaven. He took on the punishment on the cro- of our sin on the cross, conquering death, rising from the grave. And as a result of this incredible sacrifice, Jesus gives us an identity. He gives us a future home. He gives us a hope. And like the leper, our first and enduring response to God's grace should be gratitude to God. You know, one of my favorite traditions at the Thanksgiving table, after we've piled our plate full of turkey and stuffing and cranberries and all all the goodness, is we go around the room and I encourage my family to say one thing they're thankful for. Do you guys do that? And I just want to give you a snapshot into the Reeb household. That moment when everybody's going around the room, it's just really awkward. It's just awkward. It's difficult. You know why? I think it's because of this. We just don't do it enough. We don't show our gratitude enough to others around us. And I know this in my own heart. I don't show my gratitude to God enough. But if we could become more more developed in our skill of gratitude, I think we have the potential to do something amazing. Amazing. Will you guys pray with me?